The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker and you are listening to episode 164 of the podcast where you're joining us live here on YouTube. Keep in mind, if you want to join in on the live chat on YouTube, search MMA on the Rocks on YouTube, subscribe and turn on your notifications so you know every time we're going live, you can jump in on the live chat. So much to talk about. UFC Fight Night 162 in Singapore. UFC 244 next week, two Bellator cards I didn't really watch. But before we get into all that, let me introduce my co-host, all the way from New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this late Sunday evening, my friend? Bill, I'm fantastic. Glad to be back. I had some work stuff I had to take care of last week. But, Bill, I'm back. Let's talk some UFC. I already had some soup, so you know I'm ready to go, bro. (laughs) We're doing this a little later, so you got some soup in you. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it, man. I'm raring to go. You're going to be on fire tonight. All right. (laughs) So, uh, Singapore. So, this card was on. I think it started. The prelim started at 5 o'clock in the morning. Yep. Jeff, I have morning wood for this card. And I'm not talking about an erection in the morning. I had that too, but I had a <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had a beer called Morning Wood and it's made by Funky Buddha because I was on the east coast of Florida. I went to the Funky Buddha Brewery, which is in Oakland Park, Florida. It's near uh near Delray Beach, Palm Beach, uh everything like that over there. And they made this beer. They didn't have it on draft while I was there, but they had bottles to go. So I, I said, uh, let me grab one because it's one of their flagships. And it's a coffee maple bacon stout. So, you know, that'll get you out of bed in the morning. And it, it did for me. So, and it's called Morningwood. Uh, I'm, I don't know how widely available it is. I know Funky Buddha distributes pretty much everywhere, but only like their Floridian Hefeweizen and, um, a couple of other things are, are widely available, but if you find this uh, coffee, maple, bacon, stout anywhere, and you're into like beer for breakfast, uh, then this is the thing for you. So uh, I was sipping on a little bit of this during the Singapore car since the main car started at 8 a.m. And um, I was on vacation. So I was like, hey, what the hell? UFC's on. Let's have beer for breakfast. Uh, what do you think, kid? You want to check this out or what? Yeah, Bill, I'm all for it, man. Uh, you know, whenever I go to the teachers convention, I can't this year, unfortunately, but when I do, it's usually uh, early November here in New Jersey. Uh, it's in Atlantic City, and you can have beer for breakfast. So I'm all for it, man. And the bacon, maple, uh, dude, that sounds like the perfect breakfast beer. Yeah, it might be. It's up there with with some of the best stouts I've ever had. It's up mm. there with the uh, skillet stout from uh, Burial Brewery in North Carolina. It's really good. I would have liked to have had it on draft, especially because in the brewery, they serve um, candied maple bacon strips and they're phenomenal. So I'm sure the beer would have gone really well with them. And 
it went well with this fight card. What didn't go well was uh, Ben Askren's evening. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say that, but then I threw myself off like, oh, but it was morning, but it was evening for him. And it was going to be a whole confusing mess. So I'm glad you you put the words in my mouth there, Jeff. But uh, Ben Askren putting his own foot in his mouth, man, because here's a guy who has openly criticized Brazilian jiu-jitsu for years. Um, and, you know, he does it to get attention. At the end of the day, you know, he has respect for the sport, but you know, he said a lot of things like Brazilian jiu-jitsu drills wrong because they don't do X, Y, and Z and whatever else he said. And um, he, he gave himself a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he challenges anybody to, to come take it away from him. And then, uh, you know, it just all these things that people are going to dig up these clips of all these assholey things he said <laughs> and and they're gonna and they're gonna couple it with him getting choked out by Damian Maya, which there there's no shame in it. I thought um I thought it was a good performance from Askren. I mean, look, neither of these guys can strike, so that's why the striking was competitive. They were both landing some horrible, sloppy uh looking strikes and, and they both got bloodied up a little bit. Um yeah, the striking needs to be needs to be tightened up a lot on both ends. But these are two grapplers, so it kind of canceled itself out, the, the striking aspect. And um, the grappling exchanges I thought were good. I thought Askren had a great game plan early on. Tying up with the clinch, he, he went in for that over-under tie-up over and over again, which would uh, gas out Damian Maya's arms. So if you are going to take him down to the ground, you want his arms to be tired so he can't grapple as well. I thought that was an excellent strategy. And then hitting the takedowns with like 40 seconds left in the round so there wasn't that much risk um, of getting submitted. But he kind of got baited because Damian was letting him get those takedowns, essentially, in my opinion. I don't think he would admit to that, but he wasn't fighting those takedowns the way he could have. Uh, and then, you know, he was able to get on top of Ben and... Uh, you know, he was a little bit in the second round as well, but then when he got on top in the third round, he was able to get in that rear naked choke, finished it with one hand, put Ben Askren to sleep, and you got the tap uh, at the same time. So, you know, it's a double feather in his cap, and uh, it's a big accomplishment. I mean, there's no shaming getting submitted by Damian Maez, world class on the ground, Abu Dhabi champion, World Cup champion three times, uh, whatever else, IBJFF. Uh, world champion at purple belt, uh, a ton of other credentials. I'm sure I'm leaving out. And, um, you know, Ben Askren is no slouch of a grappler himself, two time, uh, NCAA all American Olympian, former Bellator champ, former one FC champ. Um, but yeah, so that's how it went down. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Well, I thought this was a pretty good fight, um, mostly because of how equal the striking was. Like you said, they both need a lot of work. But Demian Mayo was laying. Yeah, it was good. equally bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but dude, Demian Mayo, I, I gotta say this. I don't know if it's <clears throat> excuse me uh, in comparison to Ben Askren striking, or if it's just that he's worked on it for a while. But uh, Demi Maia was landing some good shots, man. In the second round, he landed this nice kick to Ben Askren's body. That uh, and you heard it. You know that Ben Askren felt that. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, it wasn't a total loss on the feet, I thought, but um, I thought the exchanges on the ground were fantastic, especially at the end of the second where uh, Demi and Maya managed to get on top, and then Ben Askren rolled him, and got he got on top. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just really good uh, ground exchanges. And as for that finish, man, you, you, the way he took the back was crazy um, because he – when Ben – when um, I'm sorry, when Demi and Maya – was taking the back. He used one hook across um, Ben Askren's body to secure both sides of it instead of getting two hooks in. Um, I thought that was just a really, really smart changeup. And then that finish, um, yeah, Ben Askren looked like he was out for a sec. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got the tap, and then his arm went absolutely limp. And like you said, there's no shame in tapping out to Demi uh, and Maya. He's a fantastic grappler. Um, I, you know, he's one of my favorite jujitsu fighters to watch in, in MMA. Uh, he's just so calculated about it. It looks like he eases into things, even when he got the arm under the chin. It, it, it looked like there was no effort while he was doing it you know he's he's a master of you know what we call human chess in terms of jujitsu and just you know keeping ben Askren busy with his hand on the one side and then sneaking that other arm under it was just so great to watch man if you're if you're a grappling fan this was a grappling clinic for you guys mm-hmm. yeah and it it's tough to to say what's next for ben Askren here because i mean i i won't even entertain the people who are saying things like he's not a UFC caliber fighter. Cause I've been seeing a little bit of that. That's absurd. I mean, the guy was a champion of other organizations. He's a world-class grappler. He definitely belongs here, but it's probably the worst time and the worst weight class for him to be in. Because if he gets in there with some of these other guys who can wrestle like an Usman or mm. a Covington, and they can also throw hands, yeah. he's going to be in a lot of trouble in there. Um, luckily he'll be able to take a step down in competition uh, after these two losses in a row uh, to to some of the, the guys in the bottom of the division who aren't as accomplished as wrestlers. But this was a terrible matchup for him, especially coming off that five-second knockout uh, at the at the knee of Jorge Masvidal. Um, so it, it's kind of a, an odd thing, like what's next for these guys? Because even Damian Maya was a little weird. They asked him what's next, and he's like, well, I have two more fights in my contract. I'd really like to fight Diego Sanchez. It's like, uh, okay. Uh, that's an awesome fight. That's cool. But I mean, you got two left. You don't want to, you know, make a run at it here. I, I, I guess he thinks, you know, he knows maybe a title shot's not realistic because, um, you know, there were some other call outs he could have made, but everybody's kind of tied up right now too. So I, I don't know. What do you think's next for either of these guys, Jeff? Pick one. Uh, let's go with Ben Askren. I think that for him, you know, his UFC career's just starting out. So I'm not too worried about it. I think that um, he's having a similar issue to Justin Gaethje where, you know, he he's coming in at such a high caliber and with so much hype behind him that you couldn't start him off with, you know, easy fights to, you know, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. um, you know, his first fight was Robbie Lawler in the UFC. You know, mm-hmm. that's a tall ask for anybody. Then you had to fight Jorge Masvidal who had just been coming off of knocking out Darren Till, uh, you know, a former title contender. So I think that a step down in competition just for Ben Askren to kind of get his feet settled is good. Um, and as for Demi and Maya, I, I think, you know, I think you're right. I think that's what he, you know, I can't say for sure what he's thinking, but 
you know, his last run at the title, you know, didn't go that well. People weren't entertained. And I think in the back of his head, he kind of realizes that, you know, that that was kind of a shot. He's getting up there in years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I for Demi and Maya, I have no idea what's next for him. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to see Ben Askren eat his words, uh, I think maybe Wonder Boy is an appropriate fight for him next because he, he was saying like he was saying stuff like karate doesn't work. Uh, so then you could really, <laughs> he could really mash up a highlight reel of Ben Askren talking shit and then eating his words. Uh, in any case, uh, I thought it was a good, uh, a great fight. And the yeah. other thing I, I really respect about Ben Askren in this one was that he took chances. You know, he took Damian Maya where he didn't have to, he, he was, I wouldn't say he was winning the standup, but you know, he was, he was winning some exchanges and, I, I don't really know who was winning the fight up to the point that it ended, but he could have used his wrestling in reverse to keep it on the feet the whole time. Uh, like some other people who have wins over Damian Maya and he didn't do that. You know, he, he wanted to take the fight where, you know, he thought he would be the better grappler and he just wasn't. Uh, so credit to him for at least taking that chance. Uh, I actually respect him more for doing that than I respect some people who beat him. You know, I think about, um, that, that one scene of Kamaru Usman just slapping Damian Maya's foot <laughs> while he was on the ground <laughs> and <laughs> just like spanking the bottom of his foot. Um, yeah, but you know, Ben Askren did it. He, he dove into the deep end and he, and he drowned and, and shit happens. So in any case, let's move on to the co-main event. You, you mentioned Justin Gaethje and, uh, his fight in the UFC it was with Michael Johnson, who was in the co-main event, uh, on this Singapore card with Stevie Ray. This was a good fight. I thought um, I I would have scored this one a draw personally, Jeff. I don't know what your thoughts were on it because I gave the first two rounds to Michael Johnson and then Stevie Ray came out with a big 10, eight because he almost finished Michael Johnson in that third round. Um, I could see maybe given that first round of Stevie Ray and then that's why he got the majority decision, but I, I would have scored a draw. One judge did see it that way. Uh, but two of them gave it to Stevie Ray. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. I'm not going to lie to you, Bill. I was thinking the exact same thing. I thought this fight was going to end up a draw. I gave the first two rounds to Michael Johnson, uh, especially that second one. The first one, I could kind of see them giving it to Stevie Ray. But I, I, for me, I was leaning more towards Michael Johnson. Mm-hmm. Bill, I even thought he, I even thought Michael Johnson had this fight won up until about two minutes into the into the third round mm-hmm. when he got taken down and Stevie Ray just, you know, went to work on him. And, and, you know, I, I definitely would have scored that one 10, eight. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I don't know what goes on with Michael Johnson, man. He, he was doing everything right in the second round. He was piecing Stevie Ray up, you know, had him bloodied and everything. And then he, it just all fell apart in the third round uh, once he got taken down. So uh, I don't know what you do with Michael Johnson here. Um, you know, I agree. I agree. It should have probably ended up in a draw, but um, I don't know, man. Michael Johnson just has a, this problem where he, I guess he second guesses himself or something, but as mm-hmm. the fight goes on, something happens in his head where it just, you know, one, one misstep and things kind of go, you know, all over the place for him. Yeah. Um, and it, he, he made the move back up to 55 now, which I like for him. Uh, this fight was at 55, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I like that he was coming up cause he came off of that, 
that big knockout loss to Josh Emmett. So maybe he was sucking himself down a little bit too much to get down to 45 moves back up. I think, um, it, you know what this, as far as the scoring goes, it, if once you write down that Stevie Ray won the first round, uh, then that's official. He won that round. But I, I think for me, when I saw the second round and the fact that Michael Johnson was just so many steps ahead of Stevie Ray and Stevie Ray was fighting flat-footed, in my mind, it made me think that he did worse in the first round than he might have. Mm. Um, so I was like, man, Michael Johnson just has so much snap on his jab. He's beating him to the punch every single time. His footwork looks amazing. Stevie Ray looks really flat-footed. Um, so in my head, I was thinking that's how the whole fight was going. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't, uh, and I need to rewatch it, but I remember thinking at the end, like, it's an easy draw to score mm. for me. Uh, I gave one and two to Michael Johnson and uh, 10 8 for Stevie Ray. Uh, in any case, credit to Stevie Ray. Uh, he looked good. Uh, Benil Darius just fucking steamrolled Frank Camacho. Yeah. Rear, rear naked choke. I mean, he just hopped on his back, sunk that choke in right away. And, uh, you know, that's it, man. Benil has a, has a nasty squeeze. Gracie Baja, black belt. Uh, he looked good, man. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, Bill, but even before that, man, uh, Frank Camacho was getting worked on while they were on the feet. Um, it, it looked like uh, Darius was just, you know, better everywhere. Um, you know, he was hurting Frank Camacho, and I felt like the hands are what led to at least what got started with this submission here. Um yeah, man, Darius just looked great out there, and I'm a fan of his, man. He's such an active fighter, too. I feel like we were just talking about one of his fights like two months ago. So, you know, I'm a, I hope he can make uh, the end of the year card. Might be a little too soon, but uh, yeah, man, Darius, I feel like he's tearing it up in this lightweight division. You know, it, he can be hot or cold sometimes, but, you know, last night he just looked great in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Moving on to uh, the heavyweights, Cyril Gan looked phenomenal against Dante Mays, who uh, came off of Dana White's contender series. Two big heavyweights. Cyril Gan is going to be a problem, man. Uh, the only thing that troubles me is his lack of experience. 29 years old, and he's only had five fights. Uh, but all five of those fights have been finishes, two of them in the UFC. So... You know, I guess you can't really argue with the results. He's walking into a fairly empty heavyweight division. I mean, this guy is built like Anthony Joshua. He can strike. He's got great Muay Thai. I mean, he hit he he hit uh, Maze in the face with a front kick. Uh, you know, he's he's athletic and he's got submissions. Man, he's got three wins by submission. So right at the end of this fight, there's you know, 20 seconds left. And even the, the commentating team was saying like, Oh, he's probably going to beat on him for the next 20 seconds. And then he just sits back for a heel hook and, and, and gets the tap. And, uh, you know, I was impressed enough with his performance, but the fact that he never stopped trying to finish this fight, uh, is what really impressed me by Cyril gone here. Um, and, and that heel hook was nice, man. Um, you know, he locked it up tight. And we, we've talked about this on the show before. It, it's hard to get that exact right position on the heel hook because you're wearing the gloves. But he got that Achilles tendon like right under that part of the glove where it sticks a little bit and it helps give you that extra torque on the heel hook. Uh, he could have done a lot of damage there if he, if he you know, really cranked on it. But uh, luckily, I, I don't think it went that far because the referee – 
uh, Kevin Sataki was able to get in there and break it up. Give me your thoughts on the big man here, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, I was super impressed by Serial Gone here. Um, he looked, he was a little smaller than Mays, but he can move around really well, man. His footwork is good. Uh, he's good at, you know, hitting you and not being there. Uh, this is actually the first time I, I watched him fight. And I was really impressed, Bill. And, uh, yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought he was going to go for, for just a finish on the ground here with his fists. And then, uh, like you said, he just sat back for a heel hook. I was like, oh, my God, wow. Um, so, yeah, dude, really impressed. His game seems really well-rounded for someone, you know, who's inexperienced uh, in terms of fighting experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm excited to see what's next for this guy, man. Uh, let's throw him in there with uh, Johnny Walker or something. Yeah. yeah, well, Johnny Walker's tied up next week. He's got Corey Anderson, and mm-hmm. uh, the winner of that, I think, is going to move on probably to a title fight, I would think. Um, uh, who knows? Oh, oh, wait, but Johnny Walker's a light heavyweight, Jeff. What are you talking about? Oh, whoops. He Sorry. Heavyweight. Sorry, but it's just that Cyril Gotten doesn't look like <laughs> a heavyweight to me, you know? Moving, I thought it was a light heavyweight. Um he yeah, does still, move like one. Yeah, I'm still impressed by him, dude. They'll throw him in there against uh, Roy Nelson or something. <laughs> okay. Well, he just he's in Bellator and he lost this weekend. But <laughs> well, we'll keep going. It's it's a lot of fun because you don't see a lot of submission specialists in the heavyweight division. I mean, you could yeah. you could name them all on one hand. You know, uh, Roy Nelson will be one. Frank Mir, Verdum, Noguera. Uh, you, you know, after that, it it kind of falls apart. I mean, Fedor had submissions, but he didn't really like to use them. Yeah. Um, Orlovsky like early in his career, but you know, we haven't seen one in, uh, in a long time, uh, heavyweight that can submit people. So I think that's a lot. And he can strike too. So it's a lot of fun. I think he's a great addition to the division. Uh, Muslim Salikov with the unanimous decision over Loriano Starpoli. Uh, this was a fun fight. thought it was really back and forth. Both of these guys, uh, had some shining moments in this fight. Um, they both landed some big shots, uh, and you know they both never really stopped. I think uh, I think Starpoli got hurt a, a little bit more in this one, but I, I thought it was a fun back and forth fight. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, Bill. This and uh, Stevie Ray versus Michael Johnson. I think either one of them could have been fight of the night, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but dude, Star Staropoli is is a fucking warrior, dude. He, you know, I thought it was gonna be a get. I thought it was gonna be a finish for Salikov in the second round, and Staropoli still stood up with him. He was still throwing. He was still advancing. Um, so you know, I got nothing but respect for both of these guys because they're both warriors and that was a really really tough fight for both of these guys uh you know really competitive definitely a good fight um you know i'm excited to see what's next for staropoli here and for salikov man salikov uh he looks really well rounded he's got really strong hands his grappling looks pretty solid so i'm excited to see what uh what he can do in this welterweight division here for sure man um i think it's a it's a fun time um Random Marcos gets a split decision over Ashley Yoder. I believe this one was on the prelims. So, yeah. Um, so that means we can skip it. Uh, but that was, that was a pretty back and forth fight. I remember uh, Ashley Yoder ended the fight on top, but I, I guess it was only enough to impress one judge. Uh, another good fight on the prelims was uh, Mavsar Ivalev against the Peruvian Enrique Barzola. Uh, this one was really back and forth. Barzola is just super tough, man. He's a gritty dude, and he just fought in August. So quick turnaround for him. 
I guess he wants to stay busy. Uh, came away with a loss, though, unanimous decision to uh, Ivalev, who it looked really good, but he's like super, super stiff, you know, moves straight back and forth. And, uh, you know, Barzola fights like more like a little Tasmanian devil, but that was a fun fight. Uh, Sergey Pavlovich getting the TKO over Maurice Green in the first round, just two minutes in. Two big dudes just swinging wild on each other. And then Konkiak Supersara. Uh, this is not her real name. So I don't know why Sherdog has it on here like that. It's... Uh... Oh. Who's that? that? Alexandra Albu you were thinking of? Yeah, Alexandra Albu, but this was her opponent. Loma Lukbunmi. Um, I guess Lukbun they had Lukbunmi as her, as her nickname, but that's that's what she was announced as like that was the name that came up as her fight name but in any oh, case hold on uh she okay hold on let me explain this bill because um th this is kind of weird so she's born in thailand so sh her birth name she has a thai name and then luma uh look me is like her um how do i put this like her i i guess you could say american name mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's a thing. I when I've whenever I've had Korean students, they kind of have the same thing where they have like their birth name and then <clears throat> either an American version of that name or an American name that everybody calls them. That yeah. is different. It's like a culture thing. I, I I don't know too much about it, but that's it. That, that well, there's your trivia for today, Bill. Well, we'll have to figure it out because she'll be back. She looked good against uh, Alexandra Albu in there. She got the split decision victory. Um, you know, it was interesting seeing a female who is like a traditional Muay Thai striker yeah. in there. Um, it, it looked really good. And Albu had some good moments in this fight too. This was another one that was back and forth. Um, the problem was that Albu instinctively kept grabbing for the clinch mm. and, uh, you know, clinch is not something you want to do with a tie. Uh, because that's what they do over there. They're, they're really nasty with the clinch. She was able to um, to tie Albu up and like use her knee to kind of keep her distance away and, and drop some elbows in, some fast elbows. And the way she threw knees, too, from the clinch and even from the outside, lightning fast, Jeff. Uh, th this, was, this was a fun fight. I recommend going back to watch this one. Um, Rafael Pessoa and Jeff Hughes, this was like two big dudes just kind of like getting tired and hanging on each other by the end of the fight. Don't watch this one. It was not, there was nothing to see there. Um, any uh, any kind of culminating thoughts on Fight Night 162 from Singapore here, Jeff? It was a good card overall, I thought. Yeah, I'm with you 100%, man. Uh, you know, I'm not always crazy about fights that end in decisions. But, Bill, the couple that I watched last night, they were close. They were competitive. They were back and forth. So I'm with you 100%, dude. Overall, really, really exciting card. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. We had two Bellator cards that neither of us watched. Uh, but I did see some highlights. Douglas Lima defeated Rory McDonald, which I guess ended the welterweight Grand Prix that was going on. While even though Roy McDonald was in it, but he was the champion, it was weird that they were even doing a Grand Prix. But anyway, Douglas Lima wins and, and he won a million dollars. So, you know, good for him. I, I maintain that Douglas Lima is one of the best welterweights on the planet. Uh, I would love to see him, um, you know, up against the, the competition in the UFC. I mean, we've seen him against Ben Askren. I think that would be a fun fight to run back. Um, 
Yeah, so there was that. Paul Daly knocked out Sadawad. So that was probably a fun fight in the co-main event. And then here is a fun one. Patrick Mix. Uh, this is a guy that I, I've talked about quite a bit on the show. Uh, I always seek his fights out, even if I don't watch the Bellator cards. He uh, he finished with, they're calling it a knee bar, but it's really a Suluev stretch. You know, we've seen Aljamain Sterling and mm. um, Zabit Magomed Sharipov pull this off in the UFC. It's when you're high on the back and you're starting to slide off and you grab your opponent's ankle and kind of pull it towards their shoulder um, and, and stretch their leg out. And it does put a lot of pressure on the knee. It is technically a knee bar, but because of the position, it's a pseudo F stretch. So Patrick Mix, really fun submission specialist. So if you can find the clip of that and then uh, Kimbo's son, one by knockout in 38 seconds. So that's cool, I guess. And then another one that was really cool, Devin Powell uh, with, they were calling it a front naked choke. So it was like that, the super guillotine where you lock up the rear naked choke oh, okay. right from the front. And uh, the, the guy, Marcus Surin, uh, rolled to his back and Devin Powell tried to mount him, but he couldn't quite do it. So we just kind of moved to the side and kept squeezing and uh, put the guy kind of out the guy he let go because he knew that the guy was out and then immediately the guy started trying to take down the referee um so you knew it was one of those but kevin mcdonald's showing some nice takedown defense there um he just kind of stomped his foot down and he was like no nah, son not today <laughs> <laughs> so, that was a fun one um and, and that's it uh if there was anything else worth watching on, on bellator this weekend then then shoot me a message um and let me know. And before we get into the craziness of all the, the bad motherfucker drama from next week, Jeff, I got to tell you what I've been sipping on here because it's something a little unusual. It's called Screwball. And uh, I had seen it a couple of times in the liquor store, and I I kind of just passed it by. I was like, I'm not really interested in that, and, and you'll see why in a second. But the lady at Publix told me, she's like, this stuff's been flying off the shelf. And she said she tried it at a bar and it was delicious and they only had one bottle left. So I was like, all right, lady, I don't know if you're getting commission on these things or what, but you convinced me. Screwball, <laughs> Jeff, peanut butter whiskey. Ooh, I already like where this is going. I, I, you know, I wasn't crazy about the idea of it at first. You see, it's got like this sheep on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it says to the misfits, black sheep and screwballs. Uh, whiskey with natural flavors and caramel color. So it's kind of like a whiskey liqueur, almost like a, not as syrupy, but almost like a fireball consistency. You know how a fireball is like real syrupy. Yeah. So kind of like that. Um, and like, if you like peanut butter, it's awesome. I mean, it's a nice after dinner sip. You can see it's got like this nice light caramel color to it. Uh, the peanut butter is more of an aftertaste. The whiskey doesn't have much of a burn. It's only uh, 70 proof, so it's not like super strong. It's an easy sip. Um, you know, have it with a piece of chocolate cake or something, mm -hmm. I guess, if you're into desserts. But, I, you know, you've probably seen me. I mean, you guys can see me at all times on YouTube now. It used to flip back and forth between us, Jeff, but uh, you guys have seen me refill in this glass a couple of times. So I'm sure you've all been wondering what's been in there. And that's it. Peanut butter whiskey, man. If you, if you find it, uh, give it a shot. Um, huh, give it a shot. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm all for it, dude. It sounds delicious, Bill. You know, I have a sweet tooth. So that is right up my alley. Yeah. It goes down easy. It's not, it's not like 
too peanut buttery. Mm. And the peanut butter flavor is like a like that fake peanut butter, like a Reese's um, peanut butter that, cup. That's the best kind, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like the uh, it's not like the kind you would find in my fridge. It's just like peanuts and nothing else in it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like that sugary peanut butter taste, mm -hmm. but it's not too sweet for me. Um, you, you know, I'm not a big fan. It, but it, if if you're like a chocolate and peanut butter person, have this with some chocolate cake, then that would be that would be a nice combination. That, um, you know, I'm not a dessert guy, but that even sounds good to me right now. Um, little cake and a little peanut butter whiskey. All right. We got the sweetness out of the way, Jeff. We got some bad motherfucker business to talk about here. Indeed. This is serious. So Nate Diaz put out a tweet early on in the weekend. Kind of stole the thunder away from UFC Singapore a little bit. I guess it was Friday he put this out, and he said that uh, he had been popped by USADA and he had elevated levels of some something or other. And uh, he's like, I'm not getting on a plane and coming to fight week. You guys told me to just keep quiet about it, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not competing at all until you fix this. Give it about, you know, 24 or 25 hours or so. And USADA is releasing an apology statement, which is like, they've never gone back on anything. Even with the tainted supplement cases with like Josh Barnett and Sean O'Malley, uh, where it was scientifically proven that they took tainted supplements, and that's why uh, they had elevated levels of, of whatever they had elevated levels of. And USADA was like, all right, um, we'll reduce your sentence by half. It's like, hold on a second. You're, you're saying I didn't do anything wrong knowingly, but you're still suspending me. Um, because, and I guess I get it, because even though they didn't do it knowingly, they might still have those elevated levels from the tainted supplements. Um, but in any case, they, they turn right around and, and usually in those cases too, it takes to like six or seven months while they, they do lab tests and they got to get, you know, 25 samples from all over the world, like different ones and make sure that they were all tainted and there's this big process, but you know, Nate Diaz says he's not going to come and headline at Madison square garden. And all of a sudden you saw us singing a different tune like 24 hours later, it was a little bit suspect to me, the whole thing. Um, but nonetheless, here we are. And hopefully this main event is still intact. Well, give me your thoughts when you first heard this news, Jeff. Bill, uh, it's funny you bring that up because I actually heard this Thursday night after uh, a, a jujitsu class. Uh, you, you know, we were talking about some fights coming up and somebody says to me, did you hear Nate Diaz pissed hot? And I was like, no. And then I texted you about it. And we talked a little bit about it. So, <clears throat> so you know, I hadn't heard anything about the main event being canceled or anything. But it's really surprising to me, Bill, that uh, that the that USADA would would you know tell Nate Diaz to not worry about it. And Bill, you're probably gonna you're probably better at explaining this than I am. But um, why do you think that is? Why do you think that they asked Nate Diaz to just keep quiet about it? Well, that's a simple answer because that's kind of what they do. And I think Nate Diaz unknowingly outed people like Brock Lesnar and TJ Dillashaw, who probably knew that they failed drug tests before their fights. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in both cases, it wasn't swept under the rug. Now, this is a little conspiracy theory. This is where it gets a little off the rails here. But, but we'll look into it, man. Let's do it. I want to hear what it is. <laughs> 
look into it. Uh, you know, Brock Lesnar had that fight with Mark Hunt, and then he walked away from the UFC. So the UFC was like, oh, yeah, let's release this information about your failed drug test. TJ Dillashaw lost his fight to Henry Cejudo. So they were like, all right, well, I guess we don't need to hold on to this information anymore. Threw him under the bus. By the way, he was also on steroids um, or EPO, you know, whatever he was doing. So I think what they do is they tell you to keep it quiet uh, and submit an appeal because you can do that now. And USADA doesn't announce results anymore because they decided it was a, a violation of privacy. But if the fighter says something about it, then USADA can come out and make a statement. Uh, so that's the new policy. So if you test positive, USADA lets you know, and the UFC will tell you, you know, keep quiet, let's do an appeal. Uh, but I think Nate Diaz was thinking, and probably rightfully so, that if he kept quiet about it, then it comes out after the fight, then he looks like a fool, and it discredits his his win if he beats Masvidal. Uh, you know, even if it comes back as a tainted supplement thing, people will always remember the first headline, and it'll always be remembered like, oh, yeah, he beat Masvidal, but he tested positive. Um, you, you know, and that's the whole reason that USADA stopped announcing things because they were getting they were getting things wrong and then when they come back to make the statement to say that they were wrong it was a tainted supplement or it was a mixed up sample or whatever the case people never remember that part they only remember the part about the fighter testing positive mm -hmm. so he didn't want his legacy getting fucked up uh by keeping quiet going and winning the fight and then it comes out that he had tested positive before the fight and knew about it um so I guess he did the he did the right thing for sure. I mean, if you don't need the money, you don't need the payday, then stand your ground. And I think this is going to be an important case moving forward for a lot of fighters. Um, you know, maybe a lot of them won't have the same guts that Nate Diaz had about it, or or they won't be in the same position financially to take a stand on it like he did. But I think it'll make USADA and the UFC think twice about maybe how stringently they're testing or you know, how they release results. I don't know. I think it's going to change something though. Uh, but now that the dust has kind of cleared on it a little bit and it looks like the fight is still on, let's talk about this fight, Jeff, the, the bad motherfucker championship of the universe of bad motherfuckery. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's break this one down, kid. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a WWE title belt at this point. Um, Bill, I'm excited for this one, man. Um, you have two guys who they don't like to mince words. They tell it like it is, and they can fight. Mm -hmm. uh, they're both well-rounded, uh, Nate Diaz especially. Um, I think that uh, Jorge Masvidal has fought few fighters like Nate Diaz. Um, you know, he just fought Ben Askren, who's a good wrestler. Before that, he fought Darren Till, who was a very good striker. Before that, he fought, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Wonder Boy, another good striker. Nate Diaz is good at all of these things. Mm -hmm. And he can mix it up really well. Um, he's got cardio for days. So I, I think uh, Jorge Masvidal has a very, very, very tough uh, road ahead of him. I don't think he's going to be able to finish Nate Diaz. But um, the other side of that coin is I don't think Diaz is going to finish Masvidal either. I think it's going to have to be a, ground, a grind game. And my head is leaning a little bit more towards Nate Diaz in this one. I think that in the long battle, I think uh, Nate Diaz wins this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting because here you have 
uh, Nate Diaz, who's a volume puncher, and he's amazing off his back. Here you have Jorge Masvidal, who's a technical power puncher and a good wrestler. Um, so he can definitely keep this one off the ground. Uh, he's got great footwork and great movement. So, uh, you know, if he can not have his back up against the cage where Nate Diaz likes to corner you and pepper you with strikes, uh, it could definitely go his way. Uh, you know, if he, you know, uses a good clinch to, to tie Nate up and, and put him up against the fence, uh, you know, on the other side of the coin, if Nate is able to pressure Jorge and stay in his face, um, you know, he could force him to go for that takedown, which is, you know, you're dragging him down into his world as well. And, and that's why he can throw strikes with such reckless abandon because he doesn't care if he gets taken down because he's so amazing off of his back. But then on the other side of the coin, again, you have Jorge Masvidal has only ever been submitted once in like 500,000 fights or however <laughs> many he's had. <laughs> uh, I don't know the exact number. Uh, but you know, he, he's not an easy guy to, uh, get to say uncle, uh, in any case, uh, I think this is an awesome fight. It's even more interesting than it's five rounds. Um, yeah. it, it, two guys that are not known for getting tired, but if, if one of them is more likely to get tired, it would be Masvidal. Uh, Nate Diaz would definitely have the gas tank on his side. We saw even after a long layoff, he was able to go full throttle with Anthony Pettis for three straight rounds and never let off the gas. Uh, and he looked phenomenal. He looked in, in the best shape we've ever seen him. Uh, both of these guys are peaking now, which is weird uh, because they've both been in the game for so long. And this is just a really fun fight. I'm a big fan of both of these guys. And uh, I'm looking forward to a good scrap to see who's the baddest motherfucker in the game, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Uh, I, you know, it's a shame. I wanted to be at this one, but it, it's there too, there are too many variables, Bill. So I can't do it. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. This whole card looks really good. The co-main event looks fantastic. And at the end of the day, I think that no matter um, what happens, the UFC always delivers when they're in uh, Madison Square Garden. And uh -huh. I think, you know, no matter what happens with Nate Diaz, uh, you know, if there's some type of falling out, uh, I think it's going to end up being a fantastic card because I'm looking up and down at the rest of this card. And there are some very, very good fights. Kevin Lee is fighting Gregor Gillespie. That one's going to be a war. Um, Steven Thompson is fighting Vicente Luque. Kelvin Gastelum versus Darren Tills, the co-main event. Derek Lewis is fighting uh, Blagoy Ivanov. Uh, Curry Anderson versus Johnny Walker is on the prelims. Um, Brad Tavares is on here. Shane Burgos, Andre Arlovsky. Brad, um, I already said Brad Tavares, but Bill, this whole card is looking amazing and talking about it i kind of want to buy a ticket now yeah uh you should you should at least get close enough to go to the garden and get a picture with that bad motherfucker belt as soon as we see what it looks like <laughs> um it's interesting you brought up that this is in new york because there's a lot of issues with the new york athletic commission so i wonder if they've been looking at um this USADA deal with Nate Diaz and thinking about how they can throw a wrench in this situation because that seems to be their biggest strength there in New York. Uh, listen to me closely, New York Athletic Commission. Don't fuck this up for us because we've been waiting for this for a while and we almost had it taken away once. So just mind your business, all right? Just, you know, go get a cup of coffee or something. Just stay, stay the fuck out of this one, all right? <laughs> Leave it alone. Don't look at people's chapped lips and, and, and think like, oh, we got to call one of these fights off. Today's not the day. 
neither is tomorrow, and neither is the rest of the week. (laughs) 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 Just stay out of it. Um, Yeah, awesome card. You got to be worried for Andre Arlovsky here. He's getting in there with Jairzino Rosenstrike, who is one of the scariest dudes to come into the UFC in a long time. Um, I've always highlighted this guy every time he's fought so far. Um, he's just, he's just nasty, man. His last fight was a nine second knockout of Alan Crowder. Before that, it was a 54 second head kick knockout of junior Albini. Um, this guy is scary and he knocks people out fast. And Arlovsky, you know, I love Arlovsky. He's, he's one of my favorite fighters of all time. Um, but man, they keep giving him these people that they're looking to build up and um, he keeps getting in there with them. Credit to him. I mean, Arlovsky has been playing spoiler to a lot of these young lions a lot of the times, but man, Rosenstrike, I just feel like is a different animal, Jeff. Uh, I, w- I would be worried uh, if I was somebody close to uh, Andre Arlovsky in this one. Um, but yeah, another great heavyweight fight is Derek Lewis and Blagoy Ivanov. Um, you know, this is an exciting one for me because I see this as even off being someone who can have better technique than Derek Lewis, uh, for, you know, two and a half, two and three quarters rounds. And then we could have another situation where Derek Lewis pulls a knockout out of his ass out of nowhere. Um, and, and the fact that that could happen at any time is what makes this really intriguing. Uh, Steven Thompson and Vicente Luque, is an interesting matchup. Steven Thompson does really well against other strikers. Uh, you know, his last performance against Anthony Pettis, not included. Uh, but other than that, uh, you know, especially guys who pressure forward like Vicente Luque does, that kind of feeds into Steven Thompson's style. And uh, Corey Anderson, Johnny Walker, man. Uh, Corey Anderson has a chance to play spoiler here. If he could put Johnny Walker on his butt for three rounds, you know, maybe – he can have a chance for a title shot, but if Johnny Walker knocks out Corey Anderson in 57 seconds, um, he's going to have a better case for a title shot here. But it seems like uh, John Jones won't even say Johnny Walker's name. So uh, I don't know how, how likely he would be to jump on board for that. And yeah, Till making his middleweight debut against Kelvin Gastelum. That's a fun fight. Um, a lot of people are saying like, I don't know if moving up is the best idea if he's going to fight Kelvin Gastelum. It's like, well, Kelvin Gastelum moved up from welterweight for the same reason as Darren yeah. Hill. He couldn't make weight either. Uh, so I, I think it's a, I think it's a perfect uh, matchup to move up. You know, it's fighting another bloated welterweight like himself. Um, anyway, that's a fun fight. Shane Burgos and Makwan Amerikani. And then you said Kevin Lee and Gregor Gillespie. That that's a really interesting one because uh, you know, Kevin Lee is on a landslide right now. Uh, and, and he's trying to grasp onto, you know, whatever he had going for him in the UFC, which was a lot. He had a lot of momentum at one point. Um, and this is not the fight where you get your footing back against a guy like Gregor Gillespie, who's just, you know, 13 and zero, and nobody wants to fight this guy. This guy can't get a fight. And Kevin Lee, I guess just doesn't have a choice at this point. Um, Kevin Lee is a good wrestler. Uh, Gregor is a much better wrestler. 
Um, Kevin's a much better striker though. And, and Gregor gets hit a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's one thing about his style. He takes a lot of damage in order to close the distance and get in on your legs. Uh, and once he does, once he gets underneath your hips, you're going down there. I don't care who you are. Um, he might be the best wrestler in this division. And that includes Khabib. Uh, I, I think he's, his grappling is just so nasty. Um, but you know, like I said, he gets hit a lot and Kevin Lee hits hard. So that's got the recipe for a great fight. All, all in all, this is going to be a great one. Edmund Shabazian and Brad Tavares. Uh, Shabazian is a kid who, who can crack, man. Uh, he's got submissions too. Uh, he comes out of, you know, not the best camp with, um, what's his name? Tarvidian. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Edmund Ronda Rousey's former coach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So man, top to bottom, this is a great card. I'm really excited for this one. Um, if there was anything we missed, you know, Bellator or otherwise that you think we should check it out, then, um, you know, by all means, reach out to us on social media. Jeff, anything else you want to get off your chest this week? Uh, yeah, I'm just excited for another weekend of fights coming up. Uh, I think this is definitely a card to tune into. I'm thinking that even if I don't go, I'm really thinking of ordering it because this, this, uh, this card, I don't think it's going to disappoint. Nice, man. I mean, not that you ever don't order these pay-per-views and, and and watch them by some unsavory means, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. I'd never do that to the UFC. At least we never blow up the links, unlike some other shows. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, man, we covered a lot. So let's leave it till next week. We'll have a lot to cover next week, too. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, send me an email, MMA on the Rocks, gmail.com. Uh, visit the website, MMA on the Rocks.com. We got some fun stuff coming up, uh, some more fun interviews. Oh, and we got our buddy Serena Southpaw fighting next week for Invicta, making her Invicta debut. So, uh, you know, a big shout out to her. Hopefully her opponent makes weight or actually, hopefully they don't because I would, I would actually love to hear her <laughs> reaction on this show. <laughs> Selfishly. I want to hear her. Well, I mean, of course I want her to still win the fight. Um, but if her opponent misses weight, um, it'll make for a better show when we have her on after she wins. Uh, so, you know, good luck to Serena next week. Uh, you know, we'll be tuning in for that as well. And that's all we got until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.